one and all. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Adrian, and I'll be taking us through this next and the last part of our kind of gathering together uh, as we kind of land a series, end a series that we've been in as a family, as a church community. Uh, we've been looking at the origins of home through uh, the very start of the Bible, Genesis 1 to 3. But before we get there, I just wanted to set today in context by telling you a bit about one of the things that my family and I do at the end of kind of any sort of longer period of holiday that we've had. And so if you don't know, my family, it consists of myself, my wife Lucy, and we've got three kids, uh, all teenagers now. But we've done this for a long time since they've been able to articulate something of what they're enjoying in life. And it's kind of an extension of something we actually do at every meal time. And anyone who's ever been around our house for a meal with our kids will know that we always pose a question. And the question is this, what has been the highlight and the low light of your day? And that's going to be our gathering moment around the table where we just talk and just get to hear and share each other's stories. But at the end of a time of holiday, what we tend to do is just say, actually, what have been our highlights from our time away? And everyone gets to contribute. We usually get a big bit of paper out and we start to scribble away. Different people get to narrate things that they found as their personal highlights of what we've enjoyed together. And what we discover is that we've often forgotten some of the things that other people within the family have like said, hey, that was a highlight. Or that we suddenly think, hey, that was really good. And it kind of gets us to this point at the end as this sheet of paper becomes filled with all of these different highlights of thinking, man, this has been good. And it then allows us to say, hey, these highlights aren't just something that we reflect on with nostalgia, but rather that we're able to then get hold of and say, hey, this is something that we can take forward. Often there's things that we've learned along the way of the things that we've enjoyed, and it becomes something we say, hey, this is going to shape how we move forward. And if you like today, that's what we're going to do in terms of where we've been in this series, is to take a moment to pause and reflect, to pause and reflect on where we've been. And we're going to do that slightly differently, so if this is your first time around us, it's going to you, you have nothing else to benchmark this on. You'll think, well, is this how they do it all the time? No, it isn't how we do it all the time. It's just going to look a bit different, and take my word for that. Uh, for those of us who are regulars, you'll think, oh, this does seem a bit different. One is you're already thinking, there's a giant whiteboard behind you. Like, what's all that about? Well, this is my desk. Like, for as long as I've been around, well, for probably the last 10 to 12 years, I've, no, longer than that, actually, 20 years, I've always had a whiteboard, and it generally gets bigger and bigger as my life and my brain kind of can't contain as much as it used to. And this becomes a thing in which I can then, like, work out what's going on. And I just thought it'd be helpful today to bring it in. You see, as I said, I want us to start with a moment of pause. And as we pause, what I want us to do, before we look at where we've been in terms of this series, I wanted to take a moment of saying, hey, why did we even do this series? Why do we even look at, like, the origins of hope? Well, those of us who are regulars, we know that actually, at the start of the year, we said, hey, what we're going to live with in terms of 2019 is that call and that word of hope. And we said we're going to live with this word of hope because we wanted it to be something that we understood and started to live out of. Because we understood that home was something we were to live with because one, who we are as a gathered bunch of people is a family. 
and a family has a home. But we're also living within a moment where we've found ourselves with a building, a permanent space that we can occupy, something that we've been living in and out of for the last kind of uh, 14, 15 months. And actually saying this isn't just to be a structure that dictates who we are. No, we're to form a home here that allows others to come in and get a touch and a flavor of what we're about. But then we said, but home isn't just about our family, isn't just about a building or structure, it's also something that's about purpose. Because home isn't about somewhere you retreat to and kind of sit by the fire toasting your feet. But rather, the more you un and we understand what home is, the more it allows us to realize, man, we are here for purpose. We're here for something that does us good, but not just for us. It's actually for this world around us. And even where we've ended in terms of worship of praying for a nation, are we in need of revealing something different at the moment? To be honest, whatever happens in terms of the result that goes on, we're still in a divided and broken nation. And if you like that top level of brokenness in terms of a vote on whether we stay in or stay out of Europe, is actually just, if you like, just the first layer of what's there that you can dig into, whether it's someone who then decides, maybe I could take a hammer and start smashing uh, mosque windows. You find that it's there, that there's this brokenness that's there within society of division. And what we're meant to be is build a home where we say, no, everyone's welcome. And we can see things differently, but we can still learn to live together in this place of home. And therefore, within this room, we'll have people who voted to leave and voted to remain. We'll have vote people who dress in blue and dress in red and yellow and green. Because we're not about a certain political party or a certain way that a vote went. Rather, we're those that have said, no, we've centered our lives on Jesus, and it's that that defines us. And therefore, as we allow that to define us, it allows us to build and shape a home where everyone's welcome. And we learn to be able to understand one another, even though we might disagree. And I tell you what, the world needs that at this point in time. So where we then said is, right, okay, we want to learn then what it looks like to be home. And we said, well, what does the home word look like? And we said, well, hey, there's this moment in the Old Testament where the people of God have kind of been taken out of the land that was meant to be their home. And because of how they've been living, I've saying actually, maybe we could live outside of what God's got for us, seeking to live our own way rather than God's way. God says, actually, I'm going to take you out of the home that I've given you. And he takes them into enemy territory, into this moment where the superpower of the day, the Babylonians, take them into their capital city and kind of ransack everything of their home and say, hey, this is where you've got to live now. And then God says this most surprising thing to them whilst they're living in this moment of what's called exile, outside of their home setting. We find it in Jeremiah 29, where it says this, this is what the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. See, God gives this surprising instruction to his people. He says, hey, don't pine for home. 
Don't pine for where you were. Rather, understand where you are and build home there to reveal the kind of home you're always meant to enjoy. And what we came to see is that this unique moment that's revealed in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, to this people of God at that point, actually is like a tiny moment that reveals something of a much bigger story. A bigger story that we see in the whole of the Bible. We see the whole of the Bible is a collection of stories that allow us to see something of who God is, something of who we are, and how all of that interacts. And there are so many different lenses that you can then look at that whole story in the Bible, and it only ever makes sense through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And in that, when you look at the whole of the story, one of the moments, one of the lenses you can look through is that view of exile. Of the fact that humanity are outside of the home they're always destined to live in. As you see it, so flip to the next one. You just see that you see at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis, what we've been looking at in Genesis 1 2, that we find humanity is created to dwell within a home that God has made on planet Earth within the whole of the universe that is to be filled with his goodness and love. That's the home that God creates. But then we find it doesn't last long because humanity decide, hey, maybe we know better. Maybe God is withholding something of his good and love towards us, and therefore, maybe we should make a home of our own making. And we looked at that all last week of Genesis 3, where we suddenly discover that humanity breaks the home. And as a result of that, it causes humanity to suddenly realize that this doesn't feel like home anymore. And then what we find is from Genesis chapter 3 right through to the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, is God's creative design being worked out of restoration to bring humanity who are now in exile back home. And it's going to take God himself through his son Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection to come on earth in order to bring us home. That's the only way the restoration is going to happen. And in Jesus coming and living and dying and rising again, he then comes to say, I now can bring you home. In order that now through me, what was originally created will be restored. And the fullness of that restoration is then seen at the very end of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22 we find that suddenly through all that Jesus has done, God restores what he'd always intended this earth to be, a dwelling place of his filled with his goodness and love. And therefore you then say, well, how are we meant to live then? If this this is a home-created, home-broken, it's on a restoration project, so we want to live outside of that exile mentality of understanding this isn't how it's meant to be, Are we then going to just camp out thinking, well, let's wait in a departure lounge until Jesus turns up to make everything better again? Well, no, that's where that Jeremiah 29 call comes into its own. Because actually in this moment of understanding this world isn't as it's meant to be, we hear God's call afresh. What are you to do here? Build hope. Build an outpost of the home that I've created that I will come to restore. So then the big question is, what on earth does that look like? What does it look like to build an outpost of a home that God has created and designed? 
And so with that in mind, we say, well, why don't we look back then at the beginning, at the origin of what God had created home to be for humanity. Let's then dwell in Genesis 1 to 3. And let's see what we discover about the attributes that God gives and creates of home. Because as we begin to discover those attributes, what we then discover is that what Jesus has come and fulfilled through his life, death, and resurrection is a restoration of what God had always created. Isn't that God saying, now scrap that, let's do something new. No, it's that Jesus now comes to fulfill what had always been intended and that one day will be seen fully restored. If we've been on this journey, we've been on this journey of looking week in, week out of what are these attributes. These attributes of God are ones that he's created. It's so important. It's why we started off with just one verse. In the beginning, God created. Because we need to rest in that fact. This isn't like the Oasis Church how-to guide of doing church in the 21st century. It isn't suddenly they, hey, let's make it seem a bit more hipster by calling it home. You know, he, Adrian lives in Sturchley. He's where the creators are at. This must be the way. He's even got a whiteboard. That's how down with it we are. No, it's not that. It's this moment of realizing, no, this is God's doing. Therefore, we're invited just to rest in what he is doing, that Jesus came through his life, death, and resurrection to reveal and to fulfill, and we therefore get to just enjoy it. But sometimes we can lose sight of what we're enjoying. And in us resting in what God has started, what God creates, we're then going to go and see that we then get to play a part in how this then is cultivated. So what have we discovered then? I say the first thing we discovered is that this is all about love. It's so good. I can't say that enough. The starting point of everything that was created was the overflow of God's triune love, Father, Son, and Spirit, eternally existing in loving relationship, who out of the overflow of their love for one another then create not out of need or desire or want, but out of an expression of love. That changes everything. So it therefore means that we discover through Jesus that home is a place founded on a God who is love and who has created everything as an overflow of his love. God's deep desire is that we would live lives engulfed in his love that shapes all we are and do. That's not a bad starting point, isn't it, in terms of attributes. That's just the first one. Then we discover that it's about wonder and worship. That we find we're in this universe that is beyond comprehension, that is continuously extending, that is more to be discovered. Why? Because we're not going to continue to think, well, how, how, how? No, we get to rest in the fact there was a God who is above all, in all, who we then get to wonder at. That an attribute, therefore, of the home that we get to build is a place where we live with a deep sense of wonder at the creator of God and the universe he has created. It means that it's okay to think. It's okay to search and discover it's okay to allow things to fill your minds with wonder. Because why that's so good is it then fuels our worship 
both throughout our lives and in our gathered moments. Life sometimes can just feel complicated. You know, you arrive today just thinking, man, is someone about to drive this country off a cliff? And it's at those moments you think, no, but there's so much more than just our tiny little island. It's at those moments I love to just go out at night and look at the stars in the sky and just think, wow, how tiny am I and how tiny is this island? in order that I can stand and remember there is a God who's above all and in all, who I can take awe and wonder in, in order that when I gather, I don't come thinking, oh no, I come thinking, oh yes! And that's not some triumphantism. It isn't suddenly like, well, who cares? It's all going down the pan. No, I'm deeply connected to that, deeply concerned about it, but it isn't going to change my worship of the God who is there. And I truly believe he'll use this Use it as a moment to awaken us to him. Because it's what he does. He wants us to see the wonder of who he is. Wonder and worship. Next one, where should we go now? I reckon growth. We find through this creative story that God puts in there this ability for everything then to be blessed to multiply. That was the point. So we discover, therefore, that it is a place of growth, home is. Growth in the knowledge of who God is. Growth in who we are in light of him. And growth through inviting others in to enjoy the beauty of this home. That suddenly causes you to breathe out, doesn't it? It doesn't mean we've got to have it all kind of pinned down of like what we truly believe. is isn't that we're then saying, hey, I've got it all. It isn't that we're then saying, hey, that's it, let's just stop here. No, it's this continual invitation to understand there's more for us to understand, more of God to be revealed. That There is growth, there's growth in what we know, but growth in who we are. This isn't it. We can keep inviting people in because we're a home that's designed to grow. But it isn't just about growth. It's also that God comes and brings provision. See, a place to live, knowing all we enjoy and build, is provided for and sustained by Jesus through his Holy Spirit. We therefore live seeking to abide and dwell with him individually and together. You see at the beginning that God creates and then gives everything for life to be sustained eternally. And now, through Jesus, the same invitation is there. Come and have life and life in the full. Know that it's not down to you and me. We get to rest in who God is. All we have to do is just seek to abide in him. Seek to say, hey, I'm going to keep what pausing. Hey, we're living in a month doing this, aren't we? Centering on who God is, not who I am. Putting him back on the throne of my life. And then seeking to then live out, continuing in my life. We get to live. Just know, man, we're a home that isn't sustained by our efforts isn't sustained by whether we've reached the mark. It's sustained by who God is. Then we get to rest in who he is, the eternal one who never changes. So it's one of provision. Oh man, this is good. And it's one of rest. That God puts in the very fabric of creation, rest. Why? Because rest is a place that provides a rhythm uh, sorry, home is a place that provides a rhythm of rest to live from every day. 
knowing we have nothing to prove. I, I tell you what, if we can get that, our lives will be transformed. Now, how many of us wake up thinking, man, what have I got to do, got to do today? I've got, I've got to get this done, I've got to get this done. There's this restlessness in us. And yet the invitation is there, no, no. From the starting point of your day, nothing to prove. It doesn't mean you then do nothing. It's actually you then are able to do loads because you think, man, this isn't proving something. I'm just doing this stuff out of a place of knowing I have nothing to prove. And this rhythm includes a weekly pause, stopping for 24 hours, resting in things that do us good, and enjoying God and his good creation. And we suddenly realize, hey, we're not manna keep working all the time. Actually, it isn't us who keep the world turning around. It's him. And if we can pause, we can take 24 hours out. And we're increasingly encouraging one another, let's live with that rhythm of rest that says one day a week, we switch off, we tune out in order to tune in to who he is. So it's rest, it's relationship. This home is one where we to know a place of deep connection, not of isolation, somewhere to be known and to know God and others. It was there in the beginning. It's meant to be there now. We are living in a society that is reaping what it's sown. You and I have sown it in there. We've been part of it. Part of the outworkings of what it looks like to live in a consumerist society, what I want. Of an individualistic society, what I want matters most. And there's lots of things we can put on isms of structure, and we can look out there and go, bad world, bad world. No, no, me. My individualism my consumerism. Because if what I think the world is about is me, then it causes me and others to become increasingly isolated like islands. And hey, suddenly we live in the fruits of everything we've sown. We live in a world where increasingly people are isolated, where neighbors don't know each other. And you can just look at it. There's something wrong where we live now where someone can die in their house and not be discovered for six to eight weeks. We live in a place like that and what we're meant to create is a place of relationship. Everyone can come. Everyone can be known. Everyone can be seen. And that shines out. Sometimes we can think, it's going, to, it's going to be complicated. I don't think it is. It's like literally just loving people and inviting them in to belong. So it's about relationship. It's also about value and identity. A place where all are seen by the value God has placed on them as his image bearers. Wow, we just get to be those who look at the world around us, look at every individual and say, hey, you're one who is made in the image of God. You were made for so much more than this. You have infinite value. That then allows us then to be those we are loved like Jesus, to live like Jesus, invited to find the richness of our identity, not within ourselves, but in him. Who am I? I'm Jesus. Who are you? Jesus, defined by him, loved like him, live like him.
Yet to be this home that is founded on such a value, such an identity. And that's what we get to live in together. But it's what we then get to invite others to come in. And maybe you're here today and say, I don't know what that value or that identity looks like. Well, the invitation is, hey, this is for you. You can come and discover this Jesus who can redefine your life in order that you could know your worth isn't in what you've done or what's been done to you or what you could do, but it's in who God has created you to be, a vessel of his love. And then you get to discover this identity in Jesus that says, hey, you are now more accepted and loved and belong than you could ever believe. So it's value and identity, but it's purpose. A place where we return to who we are truly meant to be as human beings. Those who image God as we live honoring and revealing him in and through all we do and those who return to our role as caretakers of the earth. How often do we spend time thinking, do I know what my life is about? Am I doing what I'm gonna do? And there it is. This is a home where we get just reminded of, and this is the purpose we get to live with. Those who honor God, those who reveal God, and then get to realize that we do that in and through every place we've been uniquely placed. Our houses, our streets, the shops we shop at, the jobs we're doing, our recovery, our studies, and then the whole of the planet return to caring for it. Man, that's a purpose to live with. And we get to encourage one another, saying, hey, how are we doing in living in the good of the purpose that you and I have been given? It's a purpose. But it's also a place of no shame. A place where we're invited to live authentically. Nothing hidden. Not pretending of, I better put my game face on, my Sunday best on in order to be around everyone else. No, no. A place where we just come as we are. Free from shame. Finding encouragement and honor to live in the good of the identity Jesus gives us. That's what this home's like. It's not one where you come fearing, man, if I truly allow others to see who I am, I'm going to be placed in shame. I'm going to be rejected, pushed out. I don't know. This is a home where you're going to be accepted and drawn in to find that actually who you're to be defined by is how Jesus sees you. And then work that out. Because the last one is, it's not only a place of no shame, it's also a home for the broken. place of restoration where all can receive wholeness and live in the good of all that Jesus offers. That's what this home is about. It's an outpost of God's restoration project through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. His restoration project of what he started in Genesis 1 and 2 that he'll see through in Revelation 21 and 22. And we get to be an outpost of it knowing that you and I are restoration projects. We're not the finished article yet. We're all on this journey of being restored to who we're truly meant to be. And the beauty and the release of that is, and we won't ever truly be who we're meant to be until we see Jesus face to face. And therefore, every single one of us gets to know, hey, man, we're sitting in our chairs knowing, I'm a restoration project. So are you, so are you. No comparison, no competition. 
We might all be on different parts. We never knew where we started off. So never compare. But just rest in the fact we're all restoration projects. It doesn't mean let's just not bother. Like, who starts a restoration project and say, let's just leave it as it was? No. You want to keep getting it to the point of what it was meant to be. That's what it is for you, what it is for me. Man, this is a good home. A home created by God that we therefore get to occupy. And with it, we then get to just join up the dots. Join up the dots of what we've looked at. Nearly went wrong. Mike was going to get me if I got it wrong. (laughs) Of a home. A home that each and every one of us can belong to. Because we already do. The question is then, how do we take it from here? If these are the attributes that we've been looking at, if this is the home that is then created, what do we do? Let's go back to what God said originally. God gets humanity and places them in the perfect home that he has created. And Genesis 1.28 says this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. I reckon God just says the same to us. Here's the home that I've created that you get to occupy. Now live in the good of it. How do we do that? Well, I'd say we're invited, therefore, to do two things. I think we're invited to celebrate. Celebrate in the home that God has created. Enjoy what it means to belong to a home that has these attributes in. Rest in the fact that this is God's creativity. It isn't down to us. Therefore, what he started, he's going to fulfill. Therefore, we get to celebrate in it by enjoying it, resting in it. Saying, hey, we want our lives to be permeated by this home. But not only is it that we celebrate, it's also that we then give ourselves to cultivating it. Of cultivating the home that God has created. Here's the deal. For a home to have these attributes... Yes, God will bring them about, but he'll do it in partnership with us because that's what he's always designed. And therefore, every single one of us gets a part to play in cultivating this type of home. Maybe you come and you think, but man, I've got nothing to offer. That's a lie. It's an utter lie. The fact you hear is that you have everything to offer because our home can only ever be these things by you just living in the good of them and living out what it looks like for you. It means that we have to give ourselves to the, these attributes. It means we have to deal with some of the ugliness in ourselves. Because the reality is that it's good to be the receiver of no shame It's good to be the receiver of, hey, I'm on a restoration project. But sometimes we can have those bad days. We think, hey, maybe I can not live in shame by showing that they should be ashamed. Or that they're more of a restoration project than I am. That means that we deal with that stuff. 
I say, no, I'm going to give myself to live this out towards others, not just live in the good of it for myself. And that's what I think it means to cultivate. Cultivate is both a practice of what I do within and a practice of what I do outside of myself towards others. And therefore, I want to invite you, if you're part of Oasis, if this is where you're calling home, can we give ourselves out of this series to celebrating and cultivating the home that God has given us? As we continue in this year, man, we're, we're only in the end of March, about to get into April, and we, we're kind of this far in, this year of living, and what does it mean for us to live in the good of home 2019? And let's start to celebrate and cultivate it, because I wonder what we might look like by the end of this year. I wonder what the lives we might start to touch as the rumors get out of the kind of home we're trying to build. And so my invitation is there. If you're part of home here, will you give yourself to celebrate and cultivate? If you're not part of home here, you're, you're building home somewhere else, please take this with you and do it where you are. If you're looking in saying, hey, I'm just trying to figure this stuff out. For you, I want you to hear, welcome home. As long as you want to kind of keep looking in, we'll keep saying welcome home. And if at some point you think, hey, I want to now receive that welcome and make this my home, you'll just be embraced in order that you can celebrate and cultivate with us. But I think we're done. Can I pray for us? You can stand if you want to. Sorry, this, 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 this is amazing. It's like two people stood. It's like, it's a response. Hallelujah. No, it's, um, it's just stand. It's the way, isn't it? There's that moment, isn't it? You just feel like, I've been a sit down. I've been a passenger. I'm in. Let's just, just stand up where we are. God, I just thank you that you are loving and merciful. And I thank you, you are the great God of restoration. And God, what we see at the beginning, you don't just leave. I thank you that you have designed a restoration of everything. And God, I pray for each of us that we would rest in the knowledge of that. And I pray, God, would you cause us to give ourselves to expressing it. I pray, God, that we would cause this to be a home that reveals the wonder of who you are, Jesus. We ask this for your glory. Amen.